to another edition of the UK Law Weekly Podcast with me, your host, Marcus Cleaver. This week we are going to be looking at the case of Lloyd and Google LLC, and the citation for this case is 2021 UKSC 50. And statistically speaking, around one third of the people listening to this podcast own an iPhone. And if that is you, then this case is actually directly relevant for you. Meanwhile, nearly everyone listening probably uses Google, and there is also some relevance there as well. Richard Lloyd is the respondent in this case, and originally brought a claim against Google. However, it is important to say that the claim was not just on behalf of himself. Lloyd wanted to represent a class of iPhone users who had had their personal data unlawfully processed by Google in contravention of the Data Protection Act 1998. At this point, it is useful to point out that this Data Protection Act has now been superseded by the UK GDPR. However, these alleged breaches took place in late 2011 to early 2012, so this case exists under the previous regime. The actual claim submits that Google secretly tracked the internet activity of these iPhone users and used that personal data for commercial purposes without their knowledge or consent. Of course, Lloyd, trying to represent 5.5 million iPhone users against a massive corporation like Google, was not without problems, and one of the legal issues he faced was that Parliament has not enacted legislation allowing class actions in the area of data or consumer protection. Nevertheless, there is a procedure under Rule 19.6 of the Civil Procedure Rules, which allows a claim to be brought by one person as a representative of others who have the, quote, same interest, end quote, in the claim. Lloyd argues that he satisfies this same interest requirement and is therefore entitled to claim £750 for each iPhone user who had their data misused in this way. Another issue that faces this litigation is that obviously Google is an American company, so the court has to grant permission for the claim to be served out of jurisdiction, and Google opposed this on two grounds. Firstly, damages cannot be awarded under the Data Protection Act without proof that a breach caused an individual to suffer financial damage or distress. Secondly, the claim is not suitable to proceed as a representative action. Those arguments were successful in the High Court, but the Court of Appeal actually found in favour of Mr Lloyd. So Google appealed to the Supreme Court, which is where we pick things up. Despite there not being a particularly strong tradition for it in this country, the justices were actually very sympathetic towards representative procedure in general. There is precedent in old cases, and a broad and flexible approach has been adopted in other Commonwealth countries such as Canada, Australia and New Zealand. Furthermore, this type of legal action seems more appropriate than ever in an era of digital technology where there is a greater potential for mass harm. The requirement that Lloyd and the others he is seeking to represent must have the same interest should also be interpreted in a purposive and pragmatic way in the light of all this, as well as the general overriding objective of the civil procedure rules to deal with cases in a fair and just manner. The Supreme Court held that a representative claim should not be barred just because For example, each individual being represented would potentially have their own course of action, 
nor because there is a claim for damages so long as the damages are relatively easy to work out. All of this sounds very good for Lloyd in his bid to hold Google to account, but the justices held that a representative claim should actually be a two-stage procedure, whereby the representative claim would establish whether Google was in breach of the Data Protection Act before individual claims are made for compensation. Lloyd wanted it to be the case that a uniform sum of damages could be awarded to each member of the class without the need to prove facts in relation to that particular individual. It is submitted that this is in line with the Data Protection Act, which allows for compensation to be awarded where there is a loss of control of personal data. This proposal is rejected in the judgment by Lord Leggett for two reasons. For a start, the basis for the claim is Section 13 of the Data Protection Act 1998, which talks about damage suffered because of a contravention by a data controller. It was held that in this context, damage means material damage or mental distress caused by unlawful processing of data, not the actual unlawful processing itself. The second reason is that this section of the Act requires proof of unlawful processing in the case of each individual so that compensation can be claimed. In sum, it is just not reasonable to suggest that compensation should be paid out to those being represented without proof of any unlawful processing or proof that damage was suffered. Google was successful in their appeal and the High Court was correct to refuse permission to serve the claim outside of jurisdiction. Overall, there are a couple of points worth making in the light of this case. Firstly, this is clearly a big win for Google and other big businesses, especially those within the tech sector. If the claim had been successful, it would have been tremendously expensive and would have put firms on their guard if they control personal data of lots of users. The problem is that the decision to not allow this claim to proceed has a negative effect on consumer protection and data rights, contrary to the purpose of the legislation. After all, if one person had their data breached because they used the internet on their iPhone in late 2011, then it seems reasonable to say that anyone with an iPhone at that time would also have had their data rights breached and should be entitled to compensation. Companies can break the law on a mass scale, but claims are not allowed to operate on a mass scale. This is a real issue with the way that the law works and brings us on to my second point, the two-tier system for representative claims. The justices were generally sympathetic towards representative claims, but there is a flaw in their design so that it is almost impossible for them to operate effectively. Essentially, even if the original representative claim was successful, each member of the class would then have to bring an individual claim afterwards. That hurdle is not very practical and undermines the idea and purpose of class actions. It is true that a similar claim decided today under the UK GDPR might be decided differently based on the wording of that legislation, but it is difficult to be hopeful in the light of this decision. Arguably, the solution here is to more tightly restrict the actions of tech companies so that they cannot impinge on our rights, but legislation is rarely effective in this regard as it tends to just make the end product less effective and reduces competition because of the restraints also placed on up-and-coming firms as well. Instead, improvements should be made to the ability for persons to take the lead on representative claims, so that rights can be properly enforced and companies become truly liable to all those who they harm.
Well, thank you very much for tuning into this podcast, and thanks as ever to bensound.com who provide the theme music. Quick reminder before we go that if you would like to support the podcast and help to keep it ad-free, then you can subscribe to my newsletter and earn yourself some nice perks, including more content from me each week and a free ebook on how to answer essay questions on a law degree. This week in the newsletter, we covered a range of subjects, including uh, the Prince Andrew case and the decision there. Um, so I do hope that you sign up for that. If it is something that you're interested in, then check out the link in the description to this podcast episode. But either way, I'll be back with another episode next week. So for now, bye.